You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. My name is Eric Kahn. I am your host, and I'm excited in this episode, we're going to have a phenomenal guest. We're talking to Matt Reynolds. Matt is the founder and CEO of Barbell Logic Online Coaching. He's also the host of the Barbell Logic podcast, which was voted the best strength podcast of 2022 by Garage Gym. Man, super stoked to have him on. He's also the father of two wonderful children, a sinner saved by grace, and a leader in the local church. Uh, He knows our very own Brandon Lansdowne. We have an episode with him coming up on coffee. Of course, Brandon is the owner-operator of Reformation Coffee Co., so thanks to Brandon for uh, connecting me with Matt. I think you're going to enjoy this one. We're going to talk about a number of things relating to men, masculinity, testosterone, TRT. We're talking to Matt, of course, who, by the way, he was Brett McKay's personal strength coach. I think still is for seven years, uh, which is really cool. Brett is the host and the author and the curator behind the art of manliness, which is a phenomenal Phenomenal resource for men. Encourage you to check that out as well. If you're not yet familiar with Barbell Logic, a great place to start is with their free content. And especially if you want to get started with strength training but don't know where to start, you can head on over to barbelllogic.com slash life. That's barbelllogic.com slash life to download a free ebook called A Life of Strength. It's a great place for you to start. Barbell Logic also has an excellent YouTube channel with tons of short, excellent how-to videos. You can find those with the link in the show notes. And of course, I would encourage you to check out their podcast. Again, the most downloaded, highest rated strength podcast in the industry. Tons of phenomenal information and talk on there with Matt and some of his co-hosts. If you're interested in online coaching through Barbell Logic, I asked Matt about this. It's absolutely true. Your first month is always 100% free. No contract, no catch, no gimmicks. You can go to the Barbell Logic link in the show notes and they will match the perfect coach for you. So we are, again, super excited to be talking with Matt in this episode. I think it's going to bless and benefit all of you. So stay tuned, buckle up and enjoy this show. Well, welcome to the Hard Man Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn, and excited today, we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Matt Reynolds, founder and CEO of Barbell Logic Online Coaching. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to be on. I was telling you in kind of the pre-recording, I know our guys from my church, they love this show, and I do podcasts all the time. Like, I'm a little nervous to do this show because (laughs) I know they're all going to listen. So I was actually at dinner last night with a family from our church. And he was kind of telling us his story, his testimony, and you actually played a major role in it. He was telling some stories. Wow. I don't get into the details to protect us, but you know, he was like, yeah, I was listening to Eric Kahn and he called some stuff out and I was, he's like, I can remember it being like this turning point in my life. And so, oh, thanks for having me on the show. So it's a super, it's an honor for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And praise God. It's so cool to hear those, hear those stories. One of the things I admired is we were, we were getting prepped for this show. You had your uh, Jimmy Swaggart towel out. Because and it, what, what it shows me, 
<laughs> is that you, you, you actually work out in real life. You're not just an Instagram. I do actually train. That's true. <laughs> you do. I trained my wife just now. She, and listen, she's strong too. And I love that. We, we may talk even more about that. You know, I don't think every guy needs to train with their wife. Um, certainly my wife is lifting, you know, a third of what I'm lifting, although she's strong. I mean, my wife's deadlifted 400 pounds. So she's not wow. like, and she is the most feminine, blonde hair, blue eyed, beautiful, like you'd never know. She doesn't know how strong she is. She, nobody's ever told her and her husband's a strength coach. So yeah, we were just strength training just now and get an upper body session in. I thought, oh, I need to stop 15 minutes before this podcast. So I stopped sweating and I went up and just sat in my rocking chair and tried to blow a fan on me. And then I came on and turned on the thing. I was like, oof, still sweating. <laughs> So for the Patreon people, they'll be able to see my glistening forehead and Jimmy Swaggart rag. That's how they know it's for real. So one of the things I want to ask you is uh, I found very cool. You you uh, had had told me that you were on with Brett McKay. So I went back. Of course, yeah. I followed Artem Manliness forever. You've actually been coaching Brett uh, yeah, for, for a number seven of years, years. seven yeah. years. Yeah. So I, I'm just curious. Uh, it, you, you see all this space, the masculinity space. Um, I'm sure you've been aware of it for a long time. One of the things that I've noticed, we, we go to conferences, we do all this stuff, talk about strength for men, but I'm always looking at kind of the condition of people too. And I'm thinking, I think we're, 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 we're doing a lot of posing here, guys. Like, yeah, yeah. Are, and so that's what I want to ask you. You look at men and you look at men in the Christian space. What do you see going on? Do you see physically strong guys? What's the overall kind of, yeah. kind of, top view that you see that's a it's a great question i think it's a move in the right direction yeah i really if i'm being completely honest i think where a lot of guys are is they believe it at the thirty thousand foot view probably like Mm. a lot of stuff and they're not quite there yet in the trenches right i think it's the same you know there's so many of these things that kind of impact our culture as christian men um you know we we bought some land like we bought some rural land in april of 2020 10 acres about 40 minutes south of here and we just Worked the land. We built a cabin. Like our our family built a 560 square foot cabin. Actually, my pastor and some of the guys that do some construction on in our church did the same thing. But it it was that I had loved that idea for so long, but I hadn't actually pulled. So here I am living in this here in mm. the city I live in this you know suburban home in an HOA. You know I'm an online coach, and so I work in a office all day. And this idea of this refining power of voluntary hardship, of, of doing hard things, physically hard things, things that we probably wouldn't actually have to have chosen voluntary hardship back in the 50s or 40s or whatever, because it was just kind of part of our way of life. Now it, we have to choose that. And so I think that most guys, when I'm seeing guys that I know, guys in my church, guys are my friends, a lot of those guys believe that they need to do these things, know that they need to get strong, know that they need to do hard things know that they need to pursue voluntary hardship, but actually doing that in the trenches in a consistent long-term basis is, I don't think we've made the connection a lot there. I mean, and you see this, you get, like you said, you go to conferences and it's just, there's a lot of really overweight guys. There's a lot of guys that are really out of shape. I'm certainly not in the best shape of my entire life. So I totally get it. I'm not coming on here as this super fitness influencer telling you like you should eat like a bodybuilder and eat chicken breast and broccoli and take pictures of yourself in a pink thong bikini and post it on Instagram. That's not <laughs> what we're trying to do. Right. And so yeah, like we, we do this to improve our quality of life and so that we can be better husbands and fathers and leaders in our church. And so I think, I think doing it for that reason, when you start to understand like I'm doing these things because they improve my quality of life and make me better fulfill the role that I was called to fill by God, then it sort of changes that perspective. It's not just about looking good at the beach. 
don't think mm-hmm. there's anything wrong with wanting to look a little better. I think everybody would prefer to look a little better. But if that's the be all end all goal, like I can't stand the fitness industry. That's just rife with its aesthetics only. It's as shallow as the kitty side of the pool. It's it's that take pictures for Instagram, post some, you know, pictures from the beach. Like that's that's not why we're doing this. And so I think understanding the whys will eventually lead to the practical hows, um, it, you know, in the trenches every day. Yeah, I think that's absolutely huge. And it really is. It's, it's two ditches. We've talked about them on the show where on the one hand, in, in Christian circles, you have pietism, you have guys who say, it's, you know, the body does matter. It's just about your soul and eternity. Um, but I think a lot of guys also recognize, well, if I have heart disease and I'm overweight and I have diabetes and my, you know, I'm weak, that really does impact my life and, and how effective I'm able to be here on this earth. So that's really important. I'm curious with the coaching side of it, how you got into that and what that experience has been like starting, starting a business. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, man, I was, I was, I I joke on other podcasts. I was a painfully average athlete in high school (laughs) and uh, which actually I think makes you a better coach, right? So if you look at people like Michael Jordan or some of these, like some of the best athletes of all time, they often make terrible coaches. And I think that's because while like, Take a Michael Jordan. He probably had the best work ethic ever. I think he also got a better return on investment for that work ethic than normal yeah. people get. I felt like I got a worse return on investment for my work <laughs> ethic. And so you have to learn how to coach well. And so as I got out of high school and into college, I got into weightlifting. I was decent at it. I uh, started competing in powerlifting and, and total elite in multiple weight classes in powerlifting. And that's, that sounds like it's something special, but guys with strong legs and backs are kind of a dime a dozen. It's not, I certainly was never going to be a world champion. I, I did well at those things. I turned my attention to strongman in 2005. I won my pro card in, in strongman, like world strongest man stuff in 2006 and competed on the pro strongman circuit from 06 to 09. And uh, in that time started to really dive into, and even when I was in college in the late nineties and, and early two thousands, I started to dive into, I remember going down to like the catacombs of the library and going and finding these old Soviet literature books that had been translated into oh. English as the Soviet Union fell, you know, 89, 90, these books that had been written in Russian got translated into English and they were light years ahead of us. I mean, communism, terrible form of government, great way to make athletes, right? Because <laughs> yeah. if you miss the PR, your whole family, you're like, you like that government housing? You're out on the street, right? And so, so they took the best scientists and they either put them in the space program or they put them in the Olympic uh, strength and conditioning program. And so I remember reading that stuff and just going like, whoa, these guys are like decades ahead of us. And so that started to lead me down that coaching path and learning all about um, anatomy and physiology and biomechanics and the physics of the body, that sort of stuff. Just intri- I just loved it. And so I was going to school to be, a, to be a public school teacher at the time, which I was for years. And I was telling you before the show, we've homeschooled for 12 years now. You don't go into public school being probably pro homeschool. And uh, although it, it ruined me on it, <laughs> on it, yeah, no uh, kidding. but I, but I did get to refine my chops when I was a public school teacher. I was the head strength coach at a, at a large five, a high school in, in, uh, in Missouri where I got to see several hundred kids every day for 10 years. And so wow. when you have 60 kids in a weight room at one time, you have to learn how to be a really effective communicator, how to speak very quickly, uh, short cues instead of very long, like, Hey, Eric, what I want you to do now is I want you to push your knees out. It's just like knees out, Eric. Like that's, that's, you have to learn how to be succinct. And so I refined that coaching chop, those coaching chops as my competitive lifting career started to come more to an end as we had kids and we're building a family, my wife and I, and I've been married almost 23 years now. 
Um, I started to fall more and more in love with the coaching side. And so I opened a gym in 2008 called Strong Gym. It was it grew to be the largest uh, strength training gym in the country. I left teaching in 2012, about the time that gym became the largest gym in the country. And then I ended up selling wow. that gym at the end of 2015 and starting the full online coaching uh, January 16. And so, and really the thing for us there in the online coaching space, and I, I told you when I came on, it's, I don't want this to be a commercial for what we do. Online coaching is a massive multi-billion dollar industry at this point. Most of the time, what most people mean when they say online coaching, specifically in the fitness space, is you're just buying a program from somebody. Maybe it's a template, yeah. maybe it's cookie cutter, maybe it's personalized, but it's mostly programming. And for us, we certainly provide programming. We have our own software, our own apps. I hired, I have 60 of the best private sector strength and conditioning coaches in the world that work for us. We pair wow. our clients up with a perfect coach for them. The coach programs for them based on their goals and their injuries and their age and their all that sort of stuff. And then the client videos their actual workouts. They video themselves squatting and deadlifting oh, really? and bench pressing and pressing. They upload it to their app, to the app. And then your coach wow. breaks that down technique wise within 24 hours every single time. And so the, that when I say coaching, what I'm really talking about is technique form coaching. Programming is certainly a part of that, but it's, it's programming's programming. It's, it actually doesn't have to be that complicated. Programming isn't that complicated. And I think, again, a lot of fitness professionals, if all you sell is programs, you have to make it complicated because you know, being complicated is seductive and it keeps the client wanting more, not being able to figure it out, have to keep buying the program. We're not, our programming's simple. We, we say it's simple, hard, effective. What you're paying for is to have a coach technique coach you to make sure that you're doing the lifts correctly. And so, and then we found, especially for beginners in the first six months or so of training, the combination of technique work and consistency, not missing workouts, will lead to the most effective gains. It's actually not really about the program. It's about technique and consistency. And so, so that's kind of how I get into coaching and what we do now. Um, certainly at this point, I'm a CEO. I still coach. I think it's important to have my, to keep a, a refined eye as a coach. Uh, but at this point, I'm mostly a CEO of a, we got about 1300 clients and a staff of 80. Man, that's awesome. Uh, so you've had a lot of experience in the health fitness industry. Uh, one of the things I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was Jordan Syatt said something like 90% of the stuff in the, the health industry it's, it is designed to like keep you in poor shape, but buying their product. Right. So it's like, they, they actually sure. seem to make money when you have to keep using things and you, 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 sure. you know, you're dependent on the product. So my question is, as you, you look at the industry, do you see sort of things like that happening? Um, obviously, I think you, you would probably say like your coaching is a way to actually make changes, not just make people feel good because they spent money. Yeah, I, certainly the fit, fitness industry is a mess, right? It's full of charlatans and used car salesmen. And so there's a bunch yeah. of people like that that don't, don't actually care about changing anybody's life. I mm. do think that there's a lot of people that do. I think they're misguided. I think the nature of business is that you want to keep people. So I, I don't fault people for wanting to keep them buying your product or your program or your you know, meal replacement, whatever, or your supplement or whatever the thing is. Does it actually work? I mean, I think you've got to be able to have a, a real piece of self-awareness there. It's like if what you're doing doesn't work, you should get out or you should change the product or the service. And so certainly yeah. it's a problem. Uh, you know, for us, we recognize what's kind of interesting as we started doing this, we recognized that in the beginning, again, those clients needed our technique coaching a lot. Well, if I, you know, if I started coaching you within three or four months, you wouldn't really need my technique coaching that much because your technique would be dang near perfect. And then the programming becomes a little more important, but we're like, we'll just have to see how long clients stay. I mean, our clients pay 
$200 plus a month for our online coaching service. So it's, it's not a cheap service. We think it's, it's certainly valuable to be able to connect you with one of the best coaches in the world. But what we found over time, this is kind of the thing with Brett McKay from Art of Manliness, they love the accountability. If you mm. do this well, you build a relationship with your clients. Does that guy, listen, everything Brett, I broke down his videos this morning. Everything Brett does is perfect. Like he's perfect squat form. The guy deadlifts 615. Whoa. He's strong. Dude, he's strong. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's 215, 220, lean, jacked, looks the part, you know, is a, is a t- complete teetotaler with almost everything. I mean, alcohol, coffee, supplements. He doesn't. So, I mean, like the guy just wants to be a dad and a husband and lift and enjoy this thing for quality of life. So he gets the purpose and yet he stays because I think he enjoys the, the relationship and the connection and the accountability when he has to hit record on the phone and actually now perform his last set of squats. He's like, well, coach is going to see it. He's going to break this down. So I got to step it I've asked him before. I said, how often do you kind of let your form slide on set two? And then you, you, you turn it on on set three. He's like, oh yeah, all the time. He's like, yeah, <sighs> because once you turn it, that, that's part of the deal. And so yeah, even for us, we're, so our average client stays about 40 months, between 38 and 40 months, which is a long time for an online, and we don't have any contracts or anything that keep you in. Um, and so I, th- I think the nature of business is to try to keep people buying your product or buying your service. The question really comes back to, does it actually work? If it doesn't, you have a moral obligation to change. And yeah. that's the problem that we get into in the fitness industry, where people are more concerned with, and it not only, and by the way, ha- how many times is somebody selling a supplement they're actually using performance enhancing drugs. How many times is somebody using a supplement or, or selling like a look and they've had plastic surgery or the fake tan or the airbrushed abs or the, like that's or even just Photoshop at this point. I mean, you can Photoshop anything and nobody knows. And so that's yeah. the problem really with the fitness industry. If we're not doing this for the right reason, both as a as business, fitness businesses and as clients, it's going to lead to the wrong outcome. Again, we want people who are refined by voluntary hardship, whose lives are improved, the quality of their life is improved in wherever they are in life, whether that's a, a grandpa who's 65 years old, that's just trying to, to live his best life as long as he can. Like, again, we see, I know that's a terrible term, right? So live your best life. I hate that term. But what we see most people do is they hit 35 and their, their life starts to degrade. And it's like, you know, it's, it's down and to the right for the next 40 years. Like I want to keep my quality yeah. life high and then boom, die one day. That's the, that's actually the goal is morbid as it sounds. That's what we want. And so that's what we're trying to do. So whether it's that, whether it's the 45-year-old soccer mom, whether it's the 40-year-old business executive who's just trying to keep up with his kids and like and use it on some level as a stress reliever and a great place to sort of just um, both build his body, mind, confidence, s- social skills. All those things occur in the gym. And, and for a long time, we thought it was just physical and it's not. Yeah, that's a that's a huge point. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you too that I noticed, I, I saw on your uh, Twitter feed that you were, uh, you know, well, you were dressed to the nines because you've been uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> working with Tanner Guzzi and uh, yeah, some of the true. suits, man, we'll have to share some photos of this, but uh, the all the guys have these suits in my church, by the way, tweed oh, suits oh, ordered. Yeah. Order from England and do they're cheap and they're custom. Amazing. I should get, by the way, I should get an affiliate deal for that and we should post it in the show, in the show notes. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, that was the first thing I thought I was like, I gotta get me one of these suits, but yeah, um, it, it's tied together. This, that men want to, be physically strong, but men yep. should also look good. Um, sure. Some of the photos that you had posted, it was interesting because it was like, you know, typical like dad going to a soccer game and then just like a nicer shirt, some white shoes and some shorts that look like Tanner Guzzi would wear. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, 
not only does it, it, it amplifies the look, it looks more manly, uh, but I'm sure it probably changes the way you feel too. So tied to strength, why is it so important that you found to, to look good as a man too? Yeah. You know, I want to be clear again, this isn't about fashion. As a matter of fact, Tanner was one of the first that told me he's my, my style coach is style. Right. And it really comes up back to two things. How do you want to be perceived by other people? Like, why do you have a big, glorious, beautiful beard? Like that has right. to have something to do with it. Right. So yeah, I have a beard too. Not as good as yours. But, you know, so you think about those things like we're, it's the it's the art of appearance and the way you're perceived. So, again, it's it's it sounds weird to say I'm a CEO of a big company, but it's a fitness company. I'm not wearing a three piece suit all the time. Like I'm not in boardrooms every day. Right. It's an online fitness company. And I live in Springfield, Missouri in the Ozarks. Right. I'm not living in a big metropolitan city. So trying to figure out how I should dress so that people perceive me correctly is a little bit challenging. It was challenging for Tanner even to try to figure that out. But also how I dress um, so, that, so that I feel a certain way, so that I yeah. project that to other people. So, you know, I know most people aren't going to see this podcast, but I got the short khaki shorts on, the polo, the white on white shoes. I'm wearing that right now. Most people can't see that, but I can feel that. So if, if instead, and I've done this before, it's not that certainly don't think this is a sin or anything, but you know, when I've done podcasts before there, I know there's going to be no video. Occasionally I'll slouch it up. I'll wear the workout shorts and the t-shirt. And then I recognize that I'm not really projecting the way I want to project. And so I think that's a big part of it. For me, I didn't want to dress like a style coach told me to dress. I didn't want to dress to look like him. And I didn't want to dress to not look like myself. And so what he did well was he took the things I was already doing and just tweaked them a little bit, took the logos off the shirt, went to the better fitting shorts, a slightly short. So instead of the basketball shorts or instead of the work at the gym shorts, it was the khaki shorts that were a little bit better fitted, a little bit shorter. Instead of wearing like the Nike or Adidas or the typical tennis shoe, like that you would actually go play tennis in or go to the gym in, it was the white on white leather shoes. And the, those little tweaks, as I made those, people would say like, oh, you look really nice today. They would never say, you don't really look like you. I did, they, you know, they weren't shocked by if yeah. I showed up and I, and I just, you know, I was completely wearing something that was just not me. It was completely hipster or rakish or, or whatever. They would be like, that's, that's not who I am. I'm a 43-year-old CEO dad who has lived the crazy life in past decades. And now I just want to get excited about mowing my lawn. And so, and so how does that guy dress? Well, it's not the same as the guy that's 25 years old that is uh, building the local business, you know, that's building the, the law firm in the city who has to kind of keep up with the Joneses and go to the same coffee houses and go to the, it's a different style. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a big part of who we are and what we do. And I, and I think for it's worked well and been synergistic for our clients and for people who follow us, because as you get into strength training, your body is going to change for the better. It does for everybody. And guys tend to wear these like really baggy cargo shorts and big baggy logo t-shirts. And then listen, if I'm talking to you, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not literally talking to you personally. That was me too. Right. And they were just like real men don't care how they look sort of mentality that that's not true at all. And so men right. would dress for, for function instead of form. And then they just look sloppy. Well, that's a problem when all of a sudden you've taken your squat from 135 pounds to 365. Because now you got big old quads and got big hamstrings and you can actually you can actually exude some power in your in the way people perceive you. Uh, you got big shoulders. You got a big neck We're like, OK, then we can dress that way. We can actually wear a fitted T-shirt. That doesn't mean that we dress like you remember the bodybuilders that would just wear these ridiculously tapered 
super tight button up. That's not what we're trying to do. It's not that. As a matter of fact, if it looks like you're trying too hard, it's just as bad as wearing the big baggy cargo shorts. And so it's how yes. do you make little tiny tweaks? How do you pull the logos off your clothes? Like, you know, and, and I'll just throw them under the bus. I mean, I, for years, I would wear like Under Armour stuff. I've, I dress like a football coach because I was yep. a football coach for a long time. And then all of a sudden, I'm a CEO. I'm not a football coach. And yet I'm still wearing the Under Armour logos. Well, like a lot of those shirts fit well, but they say Under Armour across the chest or whatever the logo is. And Tanner's like, let's just get some shirts that fit similar without the logo. And so now I've learned to buy shirts that direction that's in that in that way or like get out of the baggy shorts and look, you've got quads and hamstrings and you squat and it's okay to not show it off like you would if you threw on a Speedo and went to the beach. It's about just like, (laughs) hey, I've I've worked hard to build this sort of powerful perception and uh, because I actually am powerful, it's not it's authentic. And so we want to we want to be able to uh, supplement the work that we're doing in the gym with our style. One of the key things that we've advocated on the Hard Men podcast is being men who are sages, men whose minds are sharp, and especially men who know where they are in the historical current of the Reformed faith. One of the best ways that you can grow in this capacity to know your history and to think like the great men of old is to read great works. And one of those is the works of William Perkins. It is a 10-volume set from Reformation Heritage Books, We'll include links for that in the show notes, but the works of William Perkins fills a major gap in Reformed and Puritan theology. Though Perkins is best known today for his writings on predestination, he also wrote prolifically on many subjects, and his works filled over 2,000 large pages of small print and three folio volumes and have been reprinted several times in the decades since his death. So you can definitely check this out at Heritage Books. Dot org. Really fantastic work. You can get the whole set for $280 and free shipping. Again, heritagebooks.org. You can also check out individual copies, build your collection one by one. Check out this valuable resource from Reformation Heritage Books. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And there's just something about it as men looking like men, uh, adult men. I was talking to another uh, CEO about this the other day and he said, yeah, there's a reason I, I somebody had asked him like, well, you could just wear like a t-shirt and shorts. No one would care. He's like, but I would care. And I would know. That's and right. when you see me dressed well, it commands respect. People say well, there, there's a man. So that's been a, a big thing. I think seeing what that style can look like. Um, and then, yeah, like w- when you do it, I mean, it could be your wife. It could be your kids are like, wow, dad, you look nice. You look really good. Have a good haircut, you know, and then you feel better about yourself, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a different confidence that, that comes out of you. Um, I want to dig into some of the, the, the kind of the program and the philosophy behind it with barbell logic. One of the things that you've said is that the primary focus is on simple, hard, effective strength training to improve the quality of life. So simple, hard and effective strength training. What does that mean? What do you have in mind here? Yeah, I, th- I think the best place to start there is, is let's start with strength. So like why strength, right? There's tons of stuff yeah. you could be. You can be cardiovascular fit. You can be mobile. You can be powerful. You can be fast. You can jump high. All those things are cool physical attributes. Um, when someone is generally detrained or, or untrained, someone who's coming off the couch watching Netflix and is trying to change their life, strength is the only thing that makes every other physical attribute better. It will give you the best return on investment on all of them. So somebody who hasn't squatted full range of motion since they were two years old, puts a bar on their back and learns how to squat full range of motion. They get stronger, but they also get more mobile. 
but it's not a two-way street. If instead of strength training, you go to yoga class, you get more mobile, but you do not get more strong. And so what we're trying to do is, is give us the best bang for our buck. We're talking about, our, again, our primary demographic at Barbologic is 35 to 55-year-old men, not 25-year-old college kids. And so that means they're busy. That means they're working. That means they're supporting a family. And they don't have two hours, six days a week. They have 45 minutes, three days a week. Well, if I have 45 minutes, three days a week, I can still get you really strong. And oh, by the way, all those other things are like a power is a function of strength. It's just strength displayed quickly, right? Speed is the same thing. It's how much force you can put in the ground. So strength literally means force production. So what Mm. we do is we try to improve people's force production early on. And we do that with the big major lifts, right? So if your mom goes into the gym, my mom goes into a gym, the big box Globo gym, look around. There are an infinite number of exercises to do, right? You've got all the machines, you got all the cardio equipment, you've got the free weights in the back with like the scary guys back there, you got the aerobics class, you got the spin class. Like, what do you do? Where would you even start? There's an infinite number of exercises to do. And so we started to identify the quality of the exercises based on like how much muscle mass they, they use per exercise, how much weight each exercise can potentially move, and, and the overall range of motion that it takes the joints through. And when you do that and you, and you sort of sift everything through that process, you end up really with the squat, which is the king of all lifts, which most of your listeners probably know, the deadlift, which is literally just picking up a heavy barbell off the floor, right? The bench press, which we've all done since high school or certainly screwed around with in high school, and the overhead press, what a lot of people would call the military press. Those four lifts are the big, what we call the big four. And certainly then if you add a few body weight exercises like chin up or pull up, you know, maybe a dip, you know, something like that you really hit every muscle group in the entire body and hit it well for a long time. And I would even argue, I would argue that in the beginning, those four to six exercises should make up 100% of your program. Mm. And as you get more advanced, they'll still make up like 90% of your program. And that's what I did today. I, I pressed, I benched, chin ups, curls. I mean, like it was still like the big main lifts, right? And so curls were really the only thing I did today because because that's what guys do we do curls at the end right that that is really like a accessory movement and so we're trying to do this thing that gives us the most bang for our buck and the simplicity then comes in when we take those super basic exercises and you go well how do i how do i get strong well we just train like three days a week and we might do all of the lifts every single workout or most lifts every workout and we're just going to add five pounds every single workout for as long as we can we're gonna start really conservative and this is one of the things i think Maybe I should tell your audience, knowing your audience, well, the kind of guys who will go out and overload the barbell on workout one, don't. Just be super conservative, right? Like start with 100 pounds on the squat or the empty bar or 135. If you can squat 225, don't squat 225. Squat 135 and then go 135 on Monday, 140 on Wednesday, 145 on Friday, 150 the next Monday. And you'll blink, you'll be at the end of the month and you'll be at 235. You'll go up 60 pounds in every month for as long as you can do that. So as long as I can add five pounds to the bar on every single exercise, why would I do anything else? And some people do something else because they get bored. But I would go like, okay, we're literally talking about doing this for two to three months, four months max. You can't be disciplined enough to just add like, no, I need all this extra stuff. I need to do wall balls and I need to run and I need to go do that. Like, no, you don't just do the main lifts add a little weight every time and eventually that will stop working or we could all squat a thousand pounds. And when it stops working, which it will at some point, if especially, you know, 
the goal is to make it work as long as possible. And the guys that eat the most protein and, and build the most muscle over that time will continue to make progress. Once it slows down, we use a, a, a type of programming that really we've, we've sort of coined in the fitness industry that we call minimum effective dose changes. We just make a minimum effective dose change. We change one variable. So now I can't add five pounds to the bar. Maybe I add two and a half pounds to the bar. Can't add weight to the bar. Maybe I add a rep. I'm going to change one variable. I'm going to change the weight. I'm going to change the volume. Or I'm going to change the frequency. And sometimes you have to change two because often volume and weight are an inverse relationship with each other. You can't keep going up in weight and go up in volume. As the volume goes up, maybe right. the weight has to come down. But for the most part, we still want to make it's if one ibuprofen kills the headache, you don't need to take six. That's the that's the point. And I know yeah. you're laughing because we all take four to six when we get the headache, but you don't probably need to until you've built yes. up the tolerance to actually need to do the thing. And so that's it. That's what simple heart effective strength training means is that we focus on the big lifts, improve force production, add a little weight each time till it stops working and then make minimum effective dose changes. And it's works perfectly for everyone. No one is a snowflake in this. It works for everybody. Like, but I have bad knees, but I have a bad back. I promise you this works. Like proper squats make the muscles around your knee strong. It doesn't tear up your knee. Squatting incorrectly will tear up your knee, right? Everybody has bad knees. It looks, if you're listening to this, you're 45 years old. You got a bad knee. You got a semi-torn rotator cuff. You got disc degeneration in your back. And people use that as excuses for why they can't train. They can train. When I make the muscles around my back stronger, my back gets more resilient to injury, less vulnerable to injury, not more vulnerable, right? We know, like, you know this because your mom, your dad, your aunts, your uncles, people are out of shape. They throw their back out all the time. They don't lift. People don't throw their back out deadlifting very often. They throw their back out dropping the keys on the floor and bending over and twisting and, and ah, there it is, right? Well, the more yeah. we build the muscles up around the back, the more we take that sheer force off the spine or off the knee or off the elbow or off the shoulder, and we can continue to make progress. So this is why having a coach and a tech and technique matters. If you just go out there and just put a bunch of weight on the bar on squat and you're bouncing off your toes, which means you're bouncing off your knee tendons, that's not good. That's why you have to make sure that your technique is clean. So it matters. Yeah, it's huge too, because I think there, there's been a lot of cool resources that have come out or you can watch people doing exercises. Um, you can get these programs, you know, bodybuilding.com. I've done that for years. But sure. one, of, one of the things that you don't get is feed. There's no feedback loop for you. So right. you're watching somebody and you, I remember one time I was, uh, I was deadlifting and I had been watching videos. This is like 10 years ago. And my wife came in the garage and she was like, your form is terrible. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm doing what this guy's doing in the video. And she said the same thing. She was like, let me just record this for you so yeah, that you can yep. see it. But, but I think that's something that we, we definitely need as men when we're lifting and women too, but getting the feedback loop, uh, which coaching will definitely help you with. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you about, uh, my wife has been into lifting for a long time. She started, I think, I think it was a strong lifts, something yeah, like that. It's a great, great um, program. We, we kind of got into that world having been in. So I was doing triathlons and like excessive cardio. Uh, in the nineties to early OOs, cardio was cardio and circuit training. Yeah, it was like, you just want right? to do a ton of things really fast. Um, sure. and what I noticed, I was like, uh, at one point I was like 143 pounds, Oof. five, eight. And, uh, my wife was like, you that's look like looking, you're going to That's fall. a good looking girl, by the way. That's a good looking girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Five, she eight, was like, it looks like you're going to fall over. <laughs> 
And uh, right. w- w- where it really hit me was functionality, though. We were on the mountain. Sure. I had just killed a bull elk, and uh, I threw one quarter. Just I was going to say, which way what? What did the bull elk yeah, weigh? Uh, I mean, the quarters, you're probably 60 pounds. Okay. So, yeah. you, you know, you're rucking in the mountains. So you're carrying with 60 half of your body weight with one quarter yep. of this. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I throw this on, and um, I made it... I don't know, quarter to half mile and was like dead. I yep. mean, couldn't basically the issue was couldn't carry weight, had no strength. Yep. So this, we get into kind of the powerlifting, you know, thing. And I do this for two years, you know, and I got it up. I don't know. Deadlift is close to 300 pounds, that sort of thing. Nothing crazy. Sure. But sure. I was like, I actually, you know, I put on like 25 pounds, felt a million times better. Um, but, but I guess my question in, in all of this is, what happened where people thought like cardio was everything, low fat diets. It was that whole sure. craze. Uh, it seemed like lifting heavy weights, especially again for women, it was really looked down on. And I don't, sure. I'm not sure where that came from. Yeah. I, I mean, part of it's just cultural and there's still cultures. I, I don't think the United States is like this anymore. I think some of that's probably CrossFit to thank, even though I'm not mm. a huge CrossFit fan at all. They've probably made us lots of money over the years by exposing people to barbells. They've made it okay for people to lift barbells. Before yeah. that, the culture was be as skinny as you can. And then as people started to understand energy systems, I think I can do this in a way that doesn't go. So I've taught, I've taught anatomy and physiology and these things in, at the college level. The aerobic training, which just means with oxygen, it's kind of a terrible name. Mm. It literally means that the oxygen that you breathe in through cellular respiration oxidizes the fatty acids in your body. That's pretty much how you burn fat. It's by oxidation. So think about if you cut open an avocado, an avocado is what primary macronutrient? Is it protein, fat, or carbs? Not a trick question. It's fat, right? It's fat. That's right. What happens if you leave it on the counter for an hour? Looks ugly. How does it look? Literally. It turns brown, right? It turns brown. Literally, the oxygen in the air oxidizes the fat on on the... on the surface of the avocado. That's literally the same thing that happens in your body wow. when you okay. burn fat. So, so everybody thought, well, oxygen burns fat. Therefore, the thing that utilizes oxygen the most is aerobic training. So aerobics. So if we do aerobics, we'll use more oxygen and thus burn more fat. Makes sense. Problem is it's wrong. Here's why it's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's not entirely wrong, but here's why aerobics is not the best option. Yeah. Aerobic energy system is what we're using right now to do the podcast, like breathing in and breathing out, breathing in oxygen, out carbon dioxide is providing us enough energy to talk on a microphone. Those of you listening right now, you're listening in your car, same thing, right? Some of you right now are listening to this and you're trail running or you're listening to it during your workout and you're breathing real hard. Well, as the intensity of an exercise goes up, you have to start, you start breathing heavier and heavier and heavier because you need more oxygen to give you more energy. It, bur- it literally burns this fatty acid. That, that, that energy is, uh, is ATP, adenosine triphosphate, three phosphates. It breaks off and becomes adenosine diphosphate. Stay with me. I know I'm getting scientific here. In order to maximize that, if I ramp up the intensity as hard as I can, eventually my aerobic system will not be able to provide enough energy for me to keep going. If a rabid skunk comes in my office right now, and start spraying the room, and I take off running as hard as I can, that I'm going to start breathing very, very heavy, very quickly. Now, then what happens when I don't have enough energy 
from the aerobic energy system. Do I just slow down? Not yet. There's actually other energy systems. One is you actually have about 10 seconds, ballpark, of stored energy in a reservoir in your body that you can use, and it uses that stored energy. By the way, it, it takes that adenosine diphosphate, and that adenosine diphosphate's like, hey, I would love to become adenosine triphosphate again if I could just find another phosphate. And creatine phosphate comes around, and creatine's like, hey, man, you can have mine. That's why creatine's awesome. Probably the only supplement that's awesome. I don't count whey protein. That's, that's milk. That's real. That's food. So, right. so that will extend your energy reservoir from about 10 seconds to 12 or 13 seconds. And then it will run out. And then your body's like, man, I still need more energy because the rabid skunk is still chasing me or whatever the thing is. And that's when, you, that's when you switch over and start using glycolysis, which is a word that sounds like glycogen, which sounds like glucose, which is sugar, which is carbs. So you burn carbohydrates and you can actually oxidize those as well. But here's the crazy thing. When you do high intensity cardio, like high intensity interval training, something like that, you maximize the efficiency of that reservoir creatine system. You maximize the efficiency of the glycolysis system. But for the next 36 to 48 hours, you also maximize the aerobic system. And you end up burning way more fat, way more oxygen oxidizes fatty acids in the post-exercise window of high intensity training than if you just did aerobics where it does burn fat, but it really only burns fat for the time you're doing the exercise. So like you're doing speed walk on the treadmill for an hour, you're going to burn fat for an hour, but then you're not going to burn fat an hour too. Whereas if you go out and hump it on the echo bike, on the rower, on a prowler, you're running trail running, like it's high intensity, 30 seconds on hard as you can go 60 seconds off, 90 seconds off. You do that for six, seven, eight rounds. So you're talking about 10 minutes, 15 minutes you will maximize all three of those energy systems. So the reason that we became so focused on aerobics and cardio in the 80s is because they didn't understand how the aerobic system was affected by these other ways of training. They just understood it was really the first step, not entirely wrong. We just found out later that, oh, if you actually ramp up the intensity, I can actually make all of those things more efficient. And so bring this full circle. What does that mean to the listeners? The best, the best combination is strength training and intense cardio. And because the cardio is intense, it doesn't have to be very long. So I, for example, you can strength train for 45 minutes and then do intense cardio for 15 minutes afterwards, train for an hour and do that three times a week. The intense cardio and combination of strength training is an all will reduce all cause mortality by about eight X like massive, like reduce your really. Yeah. The percentage chance that you die in a car accident. By, and, and to put it in perspective, diabetes and smoking, intense smoking, chain smoking, not smoking a pipe every once in a while. That's perfectly fine and acceptable. But no, long term, intense smoking or diabetes will actually re- it will increase your all cause mortality by 2x. And what I'm talking oh. about, and this is well documented, this is like super, super tons of published data, it will reduce your all cause mortality 8x of the combination of intense cardiovascular fitness and strength training. But you got to have both, they're synergistic together. In the beginning, when you're a brand newbie, all you should do is lift for the first couple months and then bring in the cardiovascular stuff and a little bit at a time, start slow, start with one or two rounds, five minutes, then seven minutes, then 10, eventually get to 15. That's enough. Be in the best shape of your life. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, One of the things I learned a long time ago, gosh, early OOs, maybe body for life came out. And yeah, I remember that was the first, yeah. first time I had been exposed to basically Bill was saying lift and then do high intensity right. interval yep. training. 
Yeah. Um, before that's, that's that, probably 94, 93. Is yeah. that seem that right? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Remember it, it well. And a lot of it, it, it was effective. I think one of the things that, um, you know, was kind of different about it was he was also pointing to macros. So yep. you hear a lot of things, and this is kind of where I want to transition is, is nutrition. Sure. So I've heard a lot of this, like it doesn't matter, calories in, calories out, same thing, but not all calories have the same nutrients in them. Certainly. Um, and then this, this issue, which you mentioned before, protein is, is super important. So I guess if you would just unpack, um, what are you giving guys uh, tools for nutrition? What do you recommend? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, nutrition obviously is is complicated, and it's also very um, individual. And uh, and it's and it's because it's not because a certain type of like an if it fits your macros wouldn't literally work for everyone. It does. It's just that not everyone works for it, right? It's because we're human. Yeah. And so some people like to eat more carbohydrates, and some people like to eat more fat. And so can keto work, or intermittent fasting, or carnivore diet, or yeah, all of them can work. So at the top level, there is calories in, calories out. If you eat more calories than you burn, you are going to gain fat, period. You will. If you eat less calories than you burn, you're going to lose fat, period. Even if it's Reese's peanut butter cups, right? And you're like, how can this be true? Well, stay with me. Fat's not the only thing on our body, right? We have protein, we have muscle, muscle, organ, tissues, fingernails, hair, all that stuff is made out of protein. And so when we make, if we are trying to lose fat, we need to lose 20 pounds, but we want to lose the least amount of muscle or preserve muscle. Then what we want to do is we want to skew that subcaloric amount. Let's say we're, we're going to burn 3000 calories a day. So we're going to eat 2,500 calories a day. So we're going to eat 500 calories less than we burn. So we're going to lose some fat, but we're going to skew those macros heavily towards protein as opposed to the Reese's peanut butter cups or the Krispy Kreme donuts or the whatever, instead of the carbs and fat, which are energy sources, we're going to skew them towards protein so that the pro, so it holds on to your muscle so that you can lose fat while retaining muscle. Likewise, you cannot build muscle period without protein. You have to have Mm -hmm. it. So if you need to gain weight, if you're the 143 pound, you you need to gain weight. You've got to have, you have to eat in caloric excess and you have to have lots of protein to be able to build the muscle and all the other stuff that you need. You have to have protein. Now, here's the thing. Can you build muscle and lose fat at the same time? Probably not. If you are eating above your maintenance calories, you are going to gain both muscle and fat if you're training. We can eat in a way if we eat lots of protein. Protein, say 35% of our 30, 35% of our total caloric intake is protein. We can skew it so that most of that weight gain is muscle, but some will still be fat. If I eat subcaloric, I'm going to lose muscle and fat. But if I skew it heavy protein, so heavy protein is what we're going to eat all the time or high protein diet, then I can hold on to most of that muscle. I still am going to probably lose a little bit and I'm going to skew it to mostly lose fat. But you cannot without performance enhancing drugs and even TRT, which I'm happy to talk about it as well. I know you guys covered this just a couple weeks ago certainly can help that be better, but it's almost impossible to actually gain muscle and lose fat, even on performance enhancing drugs, which I would not encourage any of the listeners to use. I'm not talking about TRT. I'm talking about supra-physiological levels, you know, the bodybuilders, WWE wrestlers, Barry Bonds, like that sort of level. Even those guys, it becomes very difficult to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time. So you kind of have to decide, am I going to eat a little more calories than I need or a little less? This is why when I'm trying to gain weight, this is why you don't really need 6,000 calories. 
because you're going to gain too much fat. And when you're trying to lose weight, it's why you don't want to eat 1200 calories because you're going to lose too much muscle. So the calories in calories out does matter. But then I always want to try to eat a high protein diet. Probably if I'm training in the way we just discussed, lots of weightlifting, high intensity cardio, I actually probably want to eat good high quality carbohydrates because the carbs actually fuel those workouts or at least the carbohydrates around the workout hour and a half, two hours before to an hour and a half, two hours after. And I would want to back off my fats. Now, if I at nighttime, if I'm going to train in the morning, dinner might need to be more protein and fat. I don't really need the carbs at that point. Carbs and fat are both just energy sources. What if your body just uses it for energy? And if it's not used for energy, it's going to store it. And mm. so it really doesn't matter that much if you eat carbs or fat. Uh, carbohydrates, you can eat more of because there's four calories per gram of carbohydrates and nine calories per gram of fat, right? And so you can't eat as much volume of fat for the caloric load. It's a, it's a high caloric load. And so if you're not careful, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, if you have a, a ribeye, so it's a lot of protein, a lot of fat, that's it. Like that's, you can eat one ribeye and have it be 2,500 calories. I mean, it could be all the calories you are supposed to have for the whole day. That's why you got to be careful. And so as you're trying to lose weight, you usually try to skew more towards lean proteins, more whole single ingredient carbs, potatoes, rice, you know, not bread, not brownies, not cookies, not donuts, like not processed stuff. And then just let the fat come from where it's supposed to. Let the fat come from additional fats and veggies, olive oil, the meat, the fat in the meat, the fat in the fish, and just don't add a bunch of extra fat. Certainly a little cooking with some butter or something is completely fine. And try to stay away mostly from like the canola oils and, and things like that. Seed oils. Yeah. All that good stuff. Um, my question too is, so say somebody, you know, you're in the, you, you want to maintain as much muscle as you can, but you want to lose fat. How do you adjust the, the lifting program? This is what's crazy. Everybody thinks you should. And by the way, every, there's always this question, like, how do I adjust the lifting program? If this, how do I just lifting yeah. program between males and females? You don't. The only time you would adjust the lifting. So I'm still going to lift heavy. This is the thing. People are like, oh, I'm going to try to lose weight. So I'm going to lift light and high reps. Wrong. I'm trying to maintain muscle and maintain strength and let the stuff I'm putting in my mouth and the cardio build the health and burn the fat while still trying to hold on to the muscle. And by the way, the more muscle you have, the higher your metabolic rate is, and it helps burn fat too. And so the last thing you want to do is switch over to the pink dumbbells and do those for sets of 20. Like, let's not do that. Let's keep squatting heavy and deadlifting heavy. What yeah. you have to know is you just have to pare back your expectations. Are you going to be able, be able to eat subcaloric and add five pounds to the bar every workout? Nope. So you, got, you cannot make, the gains are going to be slower, but the style of training is the same. It's the same if you're gaining weight. I would say probably don't push the cardio super hard. Now, look, if you're over 40, you should be doing cardio because just for the health benefits, right? So even if you're a little bit underweight, you should still be doing some of that stuff for the, from a cardiovascular health benefit perspective. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, the training really doesn't change. It's the same for women. Women should train the same way guys should. There should really, there's no difference. The difference is the hormonal milieu between men and women that causes the different effect. Men can build muscle. It's really hard for women to build muscle. By the way, it's really hard for men over 45 to build muscle if you're not on TRT because your testosterone probably has tanked. And you know it if they, if they don't, right? We meet guys, like, <laughs> I had breakfast with a guy the other day. You can tell he's like just naturally high testosterone dude. And I'm like, oh, lucky you. <laughs> you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, like yeah. Cro-Magnon man all the time. You're just, yeah, you know, and so, you know, so that guy doesn't need it. But it's pretty, it's, I can, I mean, I can walk through a grocery store 
and I can point out men who are low testosterone. I can see it like it. It's glaring really? at this point. Yeah, I can see because they have female fat deposits, right? They have they start to build like fat thighs, fat hips, fatty breast tissue. And again, that's not I'm not trying to like make fun. It just is. And so for a guy that's like reality. that, if I have a client, if I have a client like that, I'm like, go get tested. Go, go have your doctor test you for this, right? You don't want to run around with like low, like we're just talking about replacing the hormones that should be there. And so men can build the muscle. Women have a very difficult time doing it, which means what happens with women is their muscles get more dense, but not necessarily much more bigger. I know it's not really right English, but you get what I'm saying, right? So that's what they want when they say, I just want to tone. What does that even mean? That's not even a real, that's not even a real thing, right? In, in anatomy and physiology. Uh, what they mean is I just want my muscles to be hard and dense and I want to be able to sort of see them, but I don't want them to be bigger. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. how God made you. If you train, that is how you, that is what will happen, right? And certainly some people have better genetics than others, but that's really how your body would respond to heavy strength training as a female and that high intensity uh, interval cardio. And so, and men will build muscle and also lose fat and their and your wives will get mad because you'll build muscle fast and lose fat fat faster than the women will but that's again it's just the way we're made yeah yeah it's such a good point and I, i've heard that a lot from women too like oh i'm afraid of bulking i'm like honey you do not need to worry about that just right lift some heavy weights you're gonna be fine yeah i used to take people in like a university weight room back when i was in in college and a guy would be like i, I just don't want to i just don't want to get too big and you look around i go look around this university weight room See all these frat boys in here lifting? They all want to get too big. None <laughs> yeah. of them are too big. They're all 165 yeah, pounds. It's not that you don't wake up one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm 230. What happened? Like I put on all this muscle. How did, how did this happen? You know, <laughs> it, that doesn't happen accidentally yeah. and certainly doesn't happen to a female. As a matter of fact, it, I right. would go so far as to say it's basically never happened to a female. If you see a female that's too muscular, one of two things has occurred. She started out much, much, much heavier. And she's lost a bunch of fat and retained muscle. And she looks like a big athletic softball player girl, right? And she looks a million times better than she probably did six months before. Or two, she's taking drugs. And so your 45-year-old wife, soccer mom, will not go squat and deadlift and do cardio and accidentally wake up one morning and look like a pro bodybuilder. Those ladies are taking drugs. CrossFit ladies who are... They're like, taking drugs. Oh, you're... Yeah, you're more jacked than most men I've ever seen who are at the gym. Right. It's, you know, there's a $500,000 purse for first, pl for first place, which means there's <laughs> cheating going on. That's, that's, the, that's oh, yeah. just the way it works. That, that's how it is. Um, yep. One of the other things I was going to ask you, you mentioned before on the TRT thing. So I, I'm asking a broad question really about testosterone. We, sure. We've all seen the studies, testosterone plummeting. Um, you mentioned getting your blood tested. So if, if guys, you know, you, you think or whatever you like, just, I would say just get, get a full panel done. Sure. Uh, talk to your doctor. You can get that stuff done. But what beyond that, are you recommending TRT? Uh, what are you saying? If guys do have low T, sure. what should they do? So it's a great question. Uh, no, I'm not going to recommend TRT to everybody because one, I'm not a doctor. And two, I also understand the potential implications here. So there's two parts to this. Um, one is, first off, what is the middle of the bell curve today was not the middle of the bell curve 40 years ago. And you're going to get yeah. measured on the middle of the bell curve today. And that bell curve has moved to the left. And so what is normal today would have been low 40 years ago, right? So you'll go and mm. get your, your testosterone needs to be, you know, 650 to 800, something in there. Your testosterone will come out at 285 and your doctor's like, ah, you're on the low end of normal. You're fine. Mm. You're not on the low end of fine. 
Anything in the twos, not what you want, right? Bad. Not good. But here's the thing. And I, and I, I had this talk with a guy the other day. Getting on testosterone, getting on testosterone replacement therapy is kind of like going through puberty again. Your libido is going to be through the roof. You've got to be able to control those hormones. If you have a problem with pornography, with lust, with, you should not get on it. It's not worth the risk. I really believe Interesting. that. Right? And so I just be careful, right? You, and again, some of it depends on it's dose dependent. You also want to be careful because some doctors actually like the dose is so low. As soon as you go on a um, exogenous and outside the body dose of testosterone, it will shut down your testosterone, your natural producing testosterone period. Now, almost all that, even if you're planning on having kids one day, and I would probably generally lean towards if you're still planning on having kids, you probably shouldn't go on TRT yet, although it is completely reversible. You can be on TRT, you go off TRT for a while. Almost always your testosterone is going to come back up and you get your wife pregnant. It'll be fine. In general, I would probably say, nah, just wait till you're done having kids. If you're done having kids, and, and most of us by the time we're in our mid 40s probably are, um, then it's an issue of it's dose dependent. But you got to be careful because some doctors will go to like the testosterone gel, the cream that you rub on your legs or all over your groin region or whatever. A lot of times that dose is so low that it shuts down your normal testosterone and replaces it, just gets you back to like 200 milligram or nanograms per deciliter, right? It's still low. And yeah. so at some point, like if you're going to go on TRT, you probably need to have the doctor inject you. And it's just a small little shot every week. And, and most time, if you get it done for four or five times, you can convince your doctor, hey, can I just do this in front of you once or twice and then send me home with it? And then I can just give this to myself. And so it is. Look, hormones are not to be screwed around with. Hormones are serious in the same way that we would talk about this. They have completely screwed up female hormones over the years with with birth control and then the way they handle perimenopause and menopause it's it's really it's much 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 more difficult for women it's actually much more sort of singular for guys much easier to deal with but it's not like taking creatine or whey protein or a supplement like it's a hormone and everyone has dip because it's a hormone everybody has different reactions some people go on low dose testosterone and they go they have acne again at 47 years old it's just like i mean i don't know man sorry it's just and so there yeah. are always going to be risk and reward there now for most people they go on low dose trt i would say the vast majority of men that do that have a significant improvement in quality of life their recovery is better their sleep is better their libido and sex is better it, all, all of those things get better they feel better they're more confident not arrogant not pushing that direction right but just everything feels like a little bit better but it's still something that you got to be careful with for sure. So some of the other things like if, if guys aren't going to do TRT, obviously, you know, high protein, uh, red meat, things like that are helpful. But, but I, I think one of the points to be made, I think you would agree with this is weight, weightlifting is a huge part of that too. It's the number one thing that can be done outside of TRT to raise your natural production of testosterone is lifting heavy period. Number one. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too. I heard uh, Andrew Huberman mention this, but he was saying, particularly with like heavy deadlifting on the, uh, oh, the German volume training, he yep. said that they'd see these spikes of testosterone after it's done. Uh, really kind of interesting. It goes back to yep. what you were saying before, that they were like way ahead of their time. They were, for sure. But also remember this. I, and I love Huberman. He's super smart. As a matter of fact, he just did one with Peter Atia that's so good. It's one of the best. If you want a good longevity podcast, Peter T on his podcast a few weeks ago was un, unreal. Hmm. The, the problem is the German volume training came out of East Germany 
of communism, 10 sets of 10 with the freakiest of the freaky athletes. Right. Yes. And so we have to understand like what we can take and what we can't. Well, here's the thing. Like you can't do 10 sets of 10 on deadlifts over and over again. There's no way it will kill you. No. Right. Like not literally kill you, but it'll make you want to die. And so you don't want to break. That's right. But what happened is and what can be taken is that when we lift heavy, big compound movements and primarily the squat and the deadlift, like the full body with even more full body than a bench press or an overhead press. Yes, yep. your legs will grow and your back will grow. And whatnot, but there is actually a systemic response that occurs in your body. You're, that, that's, you've ever heard the old adage, like when you squat heavy, your arms get bigger. There's actually some truth to that. It's because you have a systemic testosterone growth hormone response that occurs. Like your body produces more testosterone. It produces more growth hormone systemically, not just acutely to the, to the muscles that you're lifting. And that's what happened with the German volume training. They took the freakiest athletes on the planet. They made them do 10 sets of 10, which is awful. <laughs> And then then they were like, oh, yeah, like your body had this huge response. But yeah, of course, it dumped a bunch of testosterone and produced a bunch more testosterone so they wouldn't die and be so sore that they couldn't walk two days later. Right. And they still were probably so sore they couldn't walk two days later. So I wouldn't suggest 10 sets of 10 deadlifts, but I would suggest big, heavy squats and deadlifts because your body will have that systemic response. It is the best thing you can do. And then you couple that with high protein diet, quality, saturated animal fats. Right. So just just the fat that's on steak the butter, like those sorts of things are, are solid places to go has been shown to definitely increase testosterone. There's great articles on the internet about this. Again, Brett actually has several on his side on art of manliness. Um, he does not want to go that route. And so he's tried to naturally improve his and he's actually uh, talked about how he's been able to do that. So uh, yeah, there's some great things that you can do. It's if you're chronically low, some people aren't ever going to be able to get there. And so if that's you, then I would go to a doctor. But like those are always personal decisions. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned creatine, uh, supplementation. Are you, I don't know if you'd recommend a brand or what, uh, Nope. Here's the, here's the trick. All creatine is made in the same factory. All creatine monohydrate is made in the same factory. So get the cheapest creatine you can find on Amazon or bodybuilding.com or Walmart does not matter. Don't get it flavored. Just get the white powdered creatine. It's the only supplement that I would really recommend. I mean, I I think vitamin D, I think we're often low, uh, there, Creatine is the, there have been more studies done on creatine and the long-term effects at this point of creatine than all of the other supplements combined. And again, creatine monohydrate is just, it's creatine phosphate in your system. It's just the thing that gives adenosine diphosphate, the extra phosphate, it makes more energy. That's it. Everybody should be on it. Your grandma should be on it. Your dog should be on it. Just take creatine. It's don't load it, put a spoonful of it in anything you want to drink every day for the rest of your life, you'll be fine. There's no negative side effects to this thing. All I get it. Some of you guys are listening to my age too. You're like, I remember when they used to talk about guys like getting dehydrated in 1999. Like they weren't just taking creatine. <laughs> like it was, that was the scapegoat, right? It was the Mark McGuire scapegoat. It was, Oh, I'm taking I'm creatine. creatine, like and, and, and something else. That's exactly right. And so creatine's <laughs> great. And then I, I think I said too, whey protein is not a supplement. It's food. It's whey protein. It just comes directly from milk, right? Little Miss Muffet, Senator Tuffy, eating her curds and whey. Curds is the cottage cheese. Whey is the liquid stuff that you pour out the top of your yogurt. When you open up the yogurt, you're like, I don't want that. Well, they take that, dehydrate it, turn it into powder. That's it. So I used to deal with this all the time when I was a strength coach and, you know, high school boys, moms would be like, I don't want them taking the whey protein steroid stuff. I'm like, it's just milk. It's just milk. So um, I don't consider that a supplement at all. Uh, if you only take one supplement, creatine is probably the one to take. Certainly maybe vitamin D is beneficial as well. Most of the other stuff is certainly can be had through, uh, through just a quality diet. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, Matt, last question I want to ask you, uh, tying it all together. Uh, how does everything we we're talking about, physical, nutrition, your body, how does that impact masculinity? And, you know, I would argue, I think you would argue, it, it makes you a hard man, but in all the right ways. My question is, put that in your own words. Uh, what's the connection between all this sure. and masculinity? That's good. C.S. Lewis said, we're building a nation of men without chess. And, mm. and it's true. And has that ever been more true than today in the Western world, whether that's America or UK or whatever, in a post-COVID world? And I realize he wasn't specifically talking about pecs, although literally pecs, but, and figuratively, it's heart. We, we have men without heart, men without courage. They're cowards to stand up for the stuff mm. they need to stand up for. Like that's, that's, the, that's the point of the quote. And so we live in a world where even though we believe we need to, like we know through the curse, we were, we were cre- created or cursed to work and toil the land. We would eat bread by the sweat of our brow, right? So we know we're called to work hard as men. And, and we believe that. And I would guess probably 99% of the people listening to this right now would say like, yeah, I'm, I'm called to do that thing. The problem is, is that you're still driving to work and sitting in the cubicle all day. Or like me, yep. you're on Zoom calls all day long in the office. We're not out farming. We're not out doing blue collar labor. We're not working on cars all day. We're not doing those voluntary hardship type things or maybe even involuntary hardship things that we're refining. And so I think for us in the modern world, in a postmodern, unfortunate world, if you're not out there sweating literally by the toil of your hands, one of the most general things we can do to be refined by voluntary hardship this way, to become a man with a chest, both literal and figurative, is to get out and lift heavy weights. And it has made me a better father, a better husband. I handle stress better. When you choose voluntary hardship, this is the thing. And, and certainly weightlifting is not the only way to do voluntary hardship. There's all sorts of stuff that could be voluntarily hard. We are better adapted to handle involuntary hardship when it, when it comes at us. And it will, right? When, you're, when you get COVID, when your family gets sick, when your dad gets cancer, when I just lost my dad to Lewy body dementia five m- months ago, like those sort of things mm. are tough, but you've prepared yourself with voluntary hardship to be able to handle the times that are involuntarily hard. And I, and I think when you're able to do that, you're able to glorify Jesus more in that stuff because you, you don't lose, for lack of a better term, you don't lose your crap. You don't lose it because you're like, okay, I've trained in a way that's hard. And the thing about voluntary hardship that's so great is nobody's going to make you put a bar on your back. You have to do that. Like nobody's mm. going to do it. And it's hard. And so you do a thing that's hard. You grow a chest, literally and figuratively. You grow some heart. You grow some courage. You stop being a coward. And you do these things so that you can provide better for your family. Be, you're more useful and harder to kill when you're strong. Like that's the point. And so I, I, I think, again, that it is, it is a forgotten, and I think it's forgotten because it's not, you know, it's certainly not a fruit of the spirit. It's not a, like, it's not those things. Th- there are more important things than this. But I think because there's more important things, often the Christian world leaves this completely by the wayside and forgets about it. And so we're walking around at 400 pounds, you know, with our, with having to go get triple bypass because we never actually did anything hard. Look, it's time to do something hard. So we, ha- we can't just believe the theory at the 30,000 foot view we have to be men of action and actually go do this. It's like, you don't have to hire us tomorrow, Barbell Logic, but you can start squatting today. You don't even have to start mm. squatting today. You can go out and like jog around your block, do something hard physical today and watch that start to refine you throughout the process. Man, I love that. I, the, the voluntary hardship, I think that's everything. 
it's really the message we've been talking about with this podcast. If you want to be a hard man, you have to do hard things. That's right. Which means you build a capacity for it. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll include, for anybody interested in the show notes, links to all of the places they can follow you, including Perfect. Barbell Logic and the podcast. will include social media as well. Beautiful. Again, thank you, sir, for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Had a blast telling our story. great way to end that show really love what matt had to say about masculinity c.s lewis and needing men with chest both physical and in the sense of courage and how those are so closely tied together want to thank you guys for listening to this show if you're not yet a patreon supporter be sure to support the show one of the things you'll see is the live video well it won't be live but it was recorded live of the video of this interview that i did with matt you can get that if you're a patreon exclusive Remember, we also have additional content, including Eric and Ben do the internet. So be sure to sign up as a Patreon supporter today. You can check the show notes for how to do that. Click on the link. And for as little as $5 a month, you too can gain access to this exclusive Hard Men podcast content through our Patreon portal. Once again, I want to direct you to the show notes so that if you're looking to get strong in your life, start to do some lifting. A great place to start is with the free content from Barbell Logic. I've started checking some of that stuff out. It's been really, really helpful. You can find that at barbelllogic.com slash life. Again, that's barbelllogic.com slash life. Download their free ebook called A Life of Strength. And you can also check out their YouTube videos or Check out their online coaching. First month, always free. No contract, no catch. You can find that at barbelllogic.com slash match and or check the show notes and uh, there's a link for that as well. Again, thanks to everybody for supporting. Get strong. If there's one word from this show, man, get strong. Ladies, you too, in your own unique feminine way. Strength is a very, very useful thing and can benefit you greatly as you seek to be hard men in a world of softness until next time men stay frosty fight the good fight act like